0: evening service, uh, we're going to um, actually uh, try to cover chapter 17, um, 1 through 15, and your program, I think is only stops at verse 9 on the, the actual test, but uh, the, the sermon test should be Paul and Silas in Thessalonica, and also Berea, so we're going to get into the test dealing with the Bereans, Christians today, uh, but open up your Bible, chapter 17 and Acts Um, Starting verse 1, we're going to work down all the way to verse 15. Hopefully, this be just as short as the overtime game. A.J. is 0 and 3, 0 and 4. I started at chapter 17, starting at verse uh, 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in as was his custom. And taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob set to the the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crown. And when they could not find them, they dragged out Jason, dragged Jason, and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. So it's starting to spread, y'all. Verse 7, and Jason had received them, and they are acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people in the city, and authorities were disturbed when they heard these things, and when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Look at verse 10. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all the eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greeks, women of high standing, as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica, I always got to be some haters, learned that the word of God was proclaiming by Paul and Berea also, they came there agitating and stirring up the crowd. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Let me pray for us. And- ask, Lord, to help us as we make our way through this chapter here next. Uh, My gracious God, Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for being kind to us, Lord, bringing us back on this Lord's day. To be with your people, Lord, to be in your word. Lord, there's no better place to be, Lord, to be with people, Lord, that's going to encourage us and point us back to your word. People, Lord, Lord, that that, that desire to be like Bereans, Lord. Uh, Lord, we are right here before them right now. Um, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us, Lord, to have the freedom, Lord, and the liberties, Lord, even in the city and this country, Lord, for us to be able to meet, to be in God's word, to build one another up, and to encourage one another. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, even at this time, Lord, that you go before us right now, that your word, Lord, encourage us richly at this time, as we consider, Lord, these things before Paul and Silas, that these things also are near to us, even in our day and age, as we proclaim the gospel. There are many, though, those out there, Lord, do not want the gospel. So, Lord, I pray that, Lord, we learn from, even in our day and age, Lord, those that are against the gospel, Lord, let us still be motivated, Lord, to continue, Lord, being bold before you. So help us, Lord, in our weakness, Lord. Help us, Lord, let us get stronger, Lord, as we grow more in your word, Lord, and and rely more on your word. But, Lord, also, Lord, even for myself, Lord, give me the strength, give me the wisdom to preach your word faithfully. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to be with us. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. Um, at first, I was deciding to just cover the issue with Thessalonica, uh, but I decided to go ahead and go further to go to Berea. Um, we're going to see in these two cities, I say cities, these two towns, uh, it's like the total poly, polar opposite. Um, you got one town that's going to be ready to persecute the Christians left and right. There's going to be one that was willing to receive God's word. This reminds me of um, how the contrast of, you can think about how things can be so, look so similar, but can be so different. I remember a while back, I'm um, going a while back, I think I was in um, about an 11th grade, and, and I wanted to pair of these J's. And a, a, a guy, uh, he hit me up And um, and it looked just like the real deal, y'all I bought them jays, had them on my feet And um, and probably about after a week or two I started to notice, man, the tongue on the jay jay kept going to the side of my shoe, you know To the bottom of my foot And they're supposed to stand up upright, right? But my jay was kind of on the side So I was like, man, this shoe looked just like the real deal But it was so far from being the real deal And I think in the same way in this text, um, you're going to see two towns that are very similar, but you're going to find out one that is totally different, that's going to become the real deal here. And one is going to think that Judaism is going to save them, and one is going to see that no Christ saved them. Um, But um, you're going to be able to see also some in Thessalonica, going to believe, but there's going to be many that are going to be hostile towards God's word. So let's jump right into it here in our text. Um, point number one is going to be Jason's house. Uh, any of you guys want to name a child, anybody expecting any kids, the Shahs or anybody, pets or uh, the Fours if they're expecting another one, um, Jason could be a good name. So Jason's house is going to be attacked by the Thessalonians uh, because of the gospel in 1 through 9. We're going to see in verses 10 through 12 the Bereans receive the word uh, with eagerness. And the last point is going to be some Jews of Thessalonica tried to stop the gospel from spreading to Berea. So let's jump right to point number one. Jason House attack in Thessalonians or Thessalonica because of the gospel. We know that Paul and Sardis and Timothy are pretty far from Lystra now. They are traveling. The church of Antioch sent them out and they are traveling through now To other places and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a lot of people that are believing in pagan gods. A lot of them believing in the gods of the Greek gods and the Roman gods. But it's also on the other side. Some are actually believing in the things of Judaism. So you got two things going on. You got this Christian church coming in saying Christ is the King. And so these brothers here, Paul and Silas and Timothy, even in Luke, they are going through and ministering the gospel wherever the Lord takes them to. And they aren't all over the place with this. They are pretty strategic. There are hidden up areas where they are mostly likely a synagogue. I think the only place we found, one of the only place we found that wasn't a synagogue was a place called Lystra. You have one in Iconium, you had one in Pisidia. But Lystra is one of the places that actually didn't have a synagogue. But they hidden up these synagogues for this particular reason that in the synagogue, the Jews already heard about how God brought the people out of Exodus. They heard about Daniel and about Jonah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, Joel. They heard about the whole Old Testament. For them, they were waiting on the Messiah, a lot of them in the synagogue. So we go to the synagogue and we'll tell you that the Messiah you're waiting for him, he has already came as the person of Jesus. So they was hitting these places up. And the church was going like crazy, y'all. People were hearing the gospel. They're turning from pagan gods and they're believing in Jesus Amen. throughout this ministry. But as they proclaimed Jesus and many were turning from their sins, many are putting their faith in Christ. But at the same time, those that didn't believe in Jesus they started persecuting the church. We heard in Lystra, of Paul got stoned. And, 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 and many other places they got ran out of town. Even in today's test, we're going to hear Paul's going to get ran out of town again. It's like everywhere their brother go, he get ran out of town somewhere. Has that been our evangelism yet? That people run us out we can't come back to town? Like, they got kicked out almost every town they went to because their plan came in the gospel. One of the issues that happened last week when Paul, he actually in Silas, they was arrested for casting out demons out of this young girl. And what did the people do? That they, they, they arrested them because now the owners made so much money from this young girl being a fortune teller. But Paul casting some demon out, she couldn't fortune tell anymore. So they lost money and said so they arrested Paul and Silas. And today we're going to see some persecution today. In our test today, we see a at to Thessalonica. We see in verse 1, they leave Philippi and pass through Amphipolis and Apollonia. Now they came to Thessalonica. Thessalonica was one of the chief city of Macedonia. Macedonia is named from a guy named Alexander the, the Great. The that was one of the places that he thrived in. And actually, you guys know the name Philip. I don't know if I told you guys this. Philip's name comes from Alexander the great dad. His dad was named Philip. So all this place is in Greek area. If you ever look on Google Maps, and um, don't don't look at it now. Listen to to the preaching of the word. But if you ever look on Google Maps, and you look over there right now at Corinth, you look on Google Maps, all those names are still in Greek. Those are Greek areas all throughout Macedonia and different places like that. But right across the water is the actual Rome. So Rome and Greece is not too far from each other. And so the Roman Empire takes the torch from Greek, the Greeks, and now they become the powerhouse. But the Greek people were still able to have, their own, have the same Greek language. So the Roman Empire, when they took over these lands, they didn't take away the Greek language. They was able just to pretty much have authority over everything, but people were able to continue keeping their own unique. Languages within its regions. So Paul and Silas, they leave the place of Philippi. They're about a thousand miles away from the church of Antioch. So they're making ground. You know they feed with ash too, y'all, because they was moving. Um, I mean, I don't know if they had lotion. Well, you had the one that was said purple. Maybe she had some purple lotion, you know, um, Lydia. She might have some form. But they was a thousand miles away from this place. But now they're moving from the coast of Philippi, they're moving closer on in um, to the place of Thessalonica. Thessalonica probably was about a foot, probably about a 30-minute walk. Might be a little bit farther than that. Um, probably about an hour or two walk um, from Philippi. Wasn't too far away. Philippi was a major city. Thessalonica was a major city. They still wasn't too far away from each other. And so, but we know too is that in Thessalonica, I was a synagogue there. In the synagogue, the Jews was there, and a lot of times, if Jews were this far away, this is a good chance. These are probably Hellenistic Jews. Um, Hellenistic Jews sometimes can be prideful as well too. There, even though the 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 and the Jews in Jerusalem would be like full-blooded Jews. Now, the Jews in, like, in other places, like Thessalonica, they were considered probably high-bred Jews. They might have had Gentiles in their blood. So the Jews in Jerusalem, the Pharisee party that was, that was strong on Phariseeism, a lot of them wouldn't accept the Jews in these different places in Greek areas. But these Jews in Thessalonica, for them, they was kind of boastful now. They felt like they had the word of God. They felt like they knew the word of God. They ought to be the one that idolized Moses in the Old Testament. And they would come out and say, hey, Moses' teaching belong to me. So the Judaizers didn't want Gentiles coming into the Christian faith. Unless they partake in Judaism custom of circumcision. And while Paul and Sardis are letting the Jews and Gentiles know that one do not have to be circumcised to be saved. So Paul don't want to hear any type of excuses about delivery of the gospel. He wanted to let Timothy get circumcised, but you don't have to be circumcised to be a believer. And what did they do? They went into the synagogue, and to go into these synagogues again, if they found out you was uncircumcised, they probably wouldn't let you in. That would give you a hard time. But they can go into the synagogues because Timothy was circumcised. Paul was circumcised. Silas was circumcised. And for Luke to record this, it seemed like Luke must have to be circumcised as well. Verse two tells us that Paul went in, as was in the custom on the third Sabbath day. He reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. And saying, "Jesus, whom I have proclaimed to you, is the Christ." This should sound very familiar. If you guys remember when they went to Lystra, uh, not, I think it was Lystra, I believe it, was, uh, it might have been Iconium. Um, i tell you what, it was Pisidia Antioch. They went in there and they went into the synagogue and they opened up the floor and they let Paul speak. And he had a long sermon in there in Pisidia and the same thing he mentioned here it kind of summarized what he said right here to Christ and it didn't give us everything that he was saying because it said he was explaining the word of God but in Pisidia they gave more detail what a synagogue sermon would sound like Paul starts off that message in Pisidia in chapter 13 he starts off with explaining to them that men of Israel and you who fear God he greeted them he honored them and he actually said you are of Israel so he would actually be very sympathetic as he go into the synagogue but he would work his way down he would actually at the end of the message he would work his way down and be able to let him know that, that Jesus that was killed was the true Messiah and in Pisidia he mentioned about David you know the scripture <laughs> about David say he would not lead a whole other one to corruption well David died he was corrupted so the text couldn't refer to David. It had to refer to someone else. Amen. So what he got was that David couldn't be the one that was actually talked about in Psalm. It had to be Jesus because Jesus, he, wasn't, he was only left in the grave for three days and raised back up. So his body didn't see corruption. So the Old Testament pointed to that Jesus is the, is the one that Psalm talks about. Then he goes on and continue talking about who Jesus is. And many believe and many rejected him in Pisidia. Well, in this test today, he was walking through the word with them. They said he was explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer. They would raise their hand. And Paul said, say, what question do you have? And they would say, how can this be Christ? Then Paul would open up and say, let me tell you about Daniel. Daniel would point to Christ. Then they would say, Well, what about the story of Hosea? And he would open up and say, Well, this story right here, Hosea, pointed to Christ, how Christ is gonna care for his church. And you read the story about Zachariah, how God's gonna remember his people. Well, Christ remembered his people. So I can imagine being in that first century era that as the word has been read and Paul is just explaining God's word, explaining, explaining, and they didn't have any more questions so what's the next thing is that if they're not going to believe what Paul has said, the next thing they're going to do is persecute them. And they're going to persecute them. We're going to hear in a few moments what's going to happen with this persecution in the Jason house. But before then, though, is that we do see some good news of the gospel in a way of how some did respond to the gospel. We learn about now that many were persuaded and believed not only Jews, but it said devout Greeks. Devout Greeks are pretty much, those are wealthy Greeks. Poor officials believed in Christ. But also Luke tells us that it was women too. Again, we talked about this word misogynistic. A lot of people say well, the Bible doesn't support women. That, that women are not important in the Bible, but All throughout Paul's secondary missionary trip, we're hearing about how important women are throughout the Christian church. But also we're hearing too that women are coming into the church. In Judaism, you don't see women, it's women that are coming into Judaism. We don't hear that, do we? But we do hear that women are coming into the Christian church. That women are just as important as men. This is obviously what the Jews expected. The Christian church is growing, with not only some believing Jews, but now some devout Greeks and women came into the Christian church. This reminds me of Jesus' ministry. When he told Paul, I mean, old Peter, throughout his ministry, when Jesus took him up to Caesarea Philippi, and he sat him down, and he, and he asked, what do people, who do people say that I am? And they started naming all the same names, and John the Baptist, and naming all these different names. And then Peter came out and said, you are the son of God. And Jesus responded and said, Upon this rock I will build my church. Family, that's what they're preaching right here. That Jesus the true Son of God and the church has been built. But it might not be as pretty for you guys. I think a little bit more entertaining of building churches when you're hearing a lot of false, false prophets or a lot of prosperity churches or all these things happening. It's pretty cool how these things happening, but... A lot of times we miss out on the glorious picture of how a church really supposed to grow. It grows through persecution. It doesn't look pretty how Paul are going to these cities, getting ran out of city, getting persecuted. Again, everywhere they go, people are after them. We don't hear that here in 2022 or even 2021 on the growth of churches. We're hearing churches are growing because of more money. The more money you have, the more resources for resources for a church. Family, they haven't talked about money. They are just walking through and they're meeting other Christians and preaching the gospel and other Christians are caring for them. Come into our house. Come into our house. But family, don't be discouraged. If other people are, say, winning people for Jesus because of some type of creative method, whatever the case may be, might be pretty cool. There's no suffering, no repentance, no gospel. Family, do not bite into that. Don't give in to that and thinking that that's the way to go about sharing the gospel. That's the way to go about building the church because it looked pretty, I don't mean it's right. I don't mean it's biblical. I think the Lord grows his church to the proclamation of his word. Letting letting sinners know who God is and what God's judgments look like and what God's glory look like and what repentance look like. Family, we preach the gospel, the whole counsel of God's word. Or the full counsel of God's word. Amen. And what happened when you preach the full gospel? You're gonna have haters. Many Jews did not believe because of jealousy. How in the world this new belief system? This is real new. Nobody believed in this Christianity stuff. And people are starting to follow these Christians. I mean, they don't have a history like us in Judaism. They don't have money like us in Judaism. They don't have all the accolades we have in Judaism. And people are bonding to it and going and follow that. So what happened is that when people don't like the Christian church growing, they start persecuting the Christian church. And we start getting tempted, like, well, could they be right? Could they be writing this? Can we soften up the gospel to better get people to come in? Or could they be right in the way of is Christianity pretty new? Can we go back to Judaism? That's what's happening with a lot of Hebrew Israelites. Could Christianity be wrong? There could be various things while many are jealous of the Christian church. It sometimes gets really bad. It gets so bad that even people in the whole community, in this community, they even came together against the disciples. These wicked men, these men set at the city in a war, then attacked the house of Jason. The name Jason is a possibility, I'm not sure, some scholars, they say Jason is actually the cousin of Paul. Uh, they mention this from Romans 16, verse 21. The name Jason is there. Is this the same Jason? I, I don't I don't know. But some say this could possibly be the cousin Jason here. And if so, it makes sense how Paul is able to go to places that he probably knew where people were at. I'm not sure. One source says that saw the house of Jason, whom Paul and Silas abode. One one of Paul's kinsmen, apparently, they says. They say. From his name, which was sometimes used as a Greek form of the word Joshua, probably as the Hellenistic Jew. So, not sure if Jason is really a cousin of Paul, but that would be pretty unique, as we heard about earlier, how Barnabas went back to Cyprus, where he was from. And actually, John Mark was related to Barnabas, and they both went to Cyprus. And so, could the disciples also go to places? What well, they knew people was already there to be able to minister the gospel to them um, I'm not sure um, but it is a possibility and that's what some sources say but we see that John Jason here is someone that has been kind to these disciples I'm not sure based upon here in Acts 17 is he a believer yet um, but it seems like he's very kind to the Christian church by opening up his own home to them and the Jews were so desperate to stop the Christian gospel that they said that these disciples are acting against the decrees of Caesar. Doesn't it sound familiar? You guys remember when Jesus was about to be able to be put to death? And they brought him before Caesar? And one of the things they brought and told Caesar that they're saying, hey, Caesar, he said he's the king of kings. That he's not under you. Did y'all see the same tricks the devil plays? He know what the people feel about. They know what the people feel about Caesar. If you say Caesar is not the true king, that Caesar is not God, what are you saying is that that there is someone else that's higher and stronger than Caesar. Mm -hmm. They know exactly exactly what they were doing. They were trying to set them up for them to be able to go and be brought to Roman Caesar, for them to be tried and be put to death. That was the deal with Jesus. And the same thing, it's like the devil doesn't try different tricks. It's the same way, even as Christians. Sometimes people try to use family against us, sometimes co workers against us. Sometimes, even when we mess up as Christians, they try to say, ah, oh, I saw you mess up. You ain't that holy as you think you are, are you? So, it's always in a way of, within the Christian faith, it's always gonna be some that's gonna be there. Waiting to use things back against us. But they weren't that serious about it. How do we know? They said, well, they took money from them. As long as Jason gave them some money, they let them go. If they were serious about taking them to Caesar, it wouldn't have been about money. What happened here? The disciples here. And this right here is going to form against you guys. Now you guys read Thessalonians. This is how the church of Thessalonians is actually formed through these Jews that were persecuting these Christians and many of those Jews and Gentiles going to come into the faith. And now we're going to see the formation of the Thessalonian church. And later on, we're going to have the book of Thessalonians and this book of Thessalonians. Now Paul's going to write a letter back to them again. Now, after being there before. So now we heard about what happened in Thessalonica. But what about in, uh, in Berea? Look at point two. The Bereans received the word with eagerness. Here point two, we see the opposite happen. The Christian will be received well. They left overnight and when they went off to Berea, which is probably about 30 minutes, I'd say, outside of even Thessalonica, there was another synagogue there. But these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. You might ask the question what does this word noble means here? The word noble is a combination of two words in the Greek it's the word good and also come to be. Good and come to be. Pretty much dealing with good nature. Um, these Bereans had a nature and a statue that, that was very humble. They were humbled to hear the word of Paul and Silas. They received the word with eagerness. They examined the scriptures daily to see what the disciples were saying was true. They wasn't quick to dismiss the disciples, but they were eager to receive the word of God. We can learn a lot from the Bereans. Many Christians, for, for them they wait around to whatever teacher or false teacher say to them. They don't examine the scriptures. If it sounds good, I mean it's good. The Bereans were different. They had the Bibles open to critiquing the word. The Bereans didn't let anyone sweet talk them over the Bible. They would open up the word and examine Paul. I don't see that in scriptures, Paul. What are you talking about, Paul? And Paul would go through and explain to them. So the Bereans were those that were well ready to receive God's word. Amen. Family, are we Bereans? Do we have our Bibles open right now as we hear the word proclaimed? Walking through the word is, is what is saying is lined up in the word. Because family, I would tell you, I am quick to get a lot of things wrong. Open up your Bibles and, and just search God's word as I'm preaching God's word. Kevin DeYoung has, he wrote a blog. So how do we become better Bereans, he says. He lists 10 things here. The first one he says here, how to become Bereans? Listen to the sermon with an open Bible. He goes on to say, there is no authority we have in the pulpit except and so far as it is derived from the word of God. It worries me when I speak at different places and read through the scriptures test without hearing anyone open their Bibles. Number two, not only we listen to listen to the sermon with an open Bible. Number two, don't rush from the word of God to the rest of your life. Don't rush on from the word of God to the rest of your life. The Bereans saw the scriptures as something that deserved their attention it merited their time and effort. They examined it daily. They were not skimming. They were they were searching God's word. And to do that, you have to give yourself unheard time to end the God's word. So, family, do you spend quality time in God's word, or do you rush through it? Even in the devotion time, do you just rush through it, or do you spend quality time dissecting God's word? Number three you guys can be writing these down. Number three, get in the word as a way of life. Get in the word as a way of life. The Bereans examined the scriptures daily. They came to the Bible and kept coming back. Is there a frequency and consistency to your spiritual consumption? We would not make progress in godliness without persisting in God's word. Are you persistent in wanting and learning God's word? Number four. We must approach the Bible with eager expectation. The Bereans received the word with eagerness. That was their posture to the word, readiness and expectation. Whether in a conversation or in an audience, your posture says something. It indicates whether you are leaning forward, ready to listen, ready to learn, or whether you are bored and distracted. The Berean had good posture. They were at the edge of their seats, ready to receive the word and ready to believe. I got encouraged by one of our sisters, Sister Elijah, a couple weeks ago and I was talking about the sermon and, and she was like, I read it early in the week. She was already ready to be able to receive God's word because she studied God's word before I even preached the God's word. So whatever I preached, she was able to listen to it and she saw it in the text. It's a picture of Maria. It's the lazy last name, Malaysia Maria. She was eager to hear God's word. So, family, are you eager to hear God's word? Are you eager to take advantage of the opportunity to hear more of God's word? Have you thought about trying say, trying Sunday school again, he says. Small groups of Bible study Sunday evening or in a conference and picking up a good book. I know we cannot say yes to every opportunity, but we should ask ourselves... Am I indifferent to these opportunities, or am I eager for more of them? Are you longing to say, Christ, can we have more? Can we do more in the church? Hearing the ladies meeting up through the week, studying God's word together. Let's hear more of that. More people longing and longing to get in God's word. Don't look down on that. That's beautiful. Through the week, people are studying the word of God together. No agenda to it. Does everybody want to be in God's word? If you're doing it, continue doing it. If you're not, find somebody to study God's word with. Number five, be prepared to study the word deeply. One of the things, too, I keep talking about our sisters here. One thing I hear about the sisters, say, hey, I want to go through Romans. I want to go through Corinthians. A lot of times, ladies are not given the benefit to be theologians. They're like, the ladies doesn't need these, or they need to just go through a a certain books are dealing with singleness, and which is not anything wrong with that. But it's so amazing to hear word ladies in our church saying, "Hey, let me go deeper into the Book of the Bible," even for brothers in the church as well. It's so like the Berean. The Berean examine the scriptures. The word "examine" can refer to a legal process, like a trial. At seventeen eleven, therefore, it speaks of an in-depth, detailed, intelligent examination of the scriptures. Many of us work so hard in so many other areas. We work hard to learn language. We get a degree. We practice an instrument. We study for our board exams or train for sports. But how hard do we work to understand and examine the scriptures? Do we go farther examining God's word? You don't have to be the smartest person. It does not say that the Bereans were noble because they were the 4.0, all 4.0 students. It's not about being smarter, but it's being dig- digging deeper into God's word. Number six, be confident that you are able to study the Bible and discover the truth of God's word. There are things in the Bible that are hard to understand. We must be diligent with meanings. We need to learn go- good habits of studying in esegesis. We need to learn from gifted teachers God put in our midst. But none of this means the word of God is inaccessible to ordinary people. Far from it. The Bereans were Jews, so they would have been well-steeped in the scriptures, whereas we often have biblical illiteracy to overcome. But just in terms of shared education opportunities, book read, and study done, there is just no comparison. We are among the most highly educated people in the history of this planet. We have an embarrassment of riches at our disposal. Most people reading this blog are not lacking the tools to think critically and search scripture for themselves. Family, you don't have to have a 4.0 to go deeper in God's word. You already have the spirit that's in you. we got three more left. Number seven, recognize that some things which claim to be from the Bible are not. You have to admire the zeal of the Bereans. When they heard this new teaching from Paul, they undoubtedly understood that he was making his case about the Messiah from the Bible. They could see that he was reasoning from the scriptures, but still they wanted to determine what Paul was saying about the Bible actually came from the Bible. Okay, Paul, you sound good, but it's in the Bible. Family, we must do that to each other, to encourage one another. That's not say you're trying to be a jerk. That's not trying, you're trying to say you're trying to catch somebody up into something. But no, you should be able to to study God's word with them and say, hey, I don't see this in God's word. I had a conversation with Brother Rod today, which I was right he was wrong. Um, I had a conversation. He challenged me, asked me a question or something. That's beautiful to be able to see brothers are in God's word. Brother, where is that in the scriptures? And I'm thankful for that, to be able to see Christ. I don't see that in the scriptures. Family, we need more of that, those are challenging one another, asking one another, Hey, is this in God's word? Number eight, test difficult doctrine against the scripture before simply discarding them. Christians from a broad church background may have a hard time accepting unfamiliar doctrines that strike them as overly precise or controversial. Thinking through predestinations, the roles of men and women, eternal punishment, or the uniqueness of Christ can be challenging and confusing. But if we are like the Bereans, we would not discard hard teaching just because they are hard. We would search the scriptures to see if these things are so. So family, test those hard teachings. I'm thankful for KJ Podcast, trying to go in and break down certain teachings for ordinary people to be able to understand these teachings. That you don't have to have a degree. Doc- you don't have to have a degree. That you can go in and understand these certain doctrines. Last two, number 9. Be humble enough to take the Bible at its word, no matter who you are. It is our pride that keeps us from believing. It is our pride that would not admit God's word is the most important word we need to hear. It is our pride which to imagine we know who we are and now and how to be saved and how to live apart from the Bible. It takes great humility to submit yourself unreasonably to the Word of God. So, family, are you submitted to God's word? Are you submitting to God's word? And number 10, give the Bible a final say in every matter on which it means to speak. One of the reasons different professing Christians and different churches come to such wildly different understanding of the Christian faith because we approach the Bible so differently. The question, what is our ultimate authority? Every Christian and every church will say, in some way, that our theology must accord with Scripture. But what is our ultimate authority? How do we make our closing arguments? Do we give the final word to the reason and experience, to sacred traditions, or do, or to the Holy Scriptures? For Christians, that authority must be from the Scriptures of the Old and New Testament, not traditions like the Catholic Church. We must be rooted in God's Word, family. We must be Bereans. We must be Bereans as we study God's word. And let us in a way of that, if someone might be farther advanced or father in a certain study than you, don't be intimidated of that. Don't be intimidated and say, I'm not there yet. Hey, can we slow this thing down? Or if they can't slow down, find somebody else that's a little bit slower that you can study God's word with. But family, let all of us be Bereans ready on Sunday morning and say, hey, Crescent, I already read the text earlier this week. I wanted. You, are you going to say this is your sermon? Are you going to say this? I want to hear some of you guys. Hey, Creston, we're going to start a, a revelation study, going through the Book of Revelation on Fridays. We're going to start a study through the Psalms. I want to hear you guys start things up in God's Word and invite others with you. And lastly, we see here, as the Bereans were being faithful, they're examining God's Word. Again, there always got to be some haters to come through. Point three. Some Jews of Thessalonica. They couldn't just stay where they was at, y'all. They came down here to Berea now. The things are going good in the church. It is always some haters that pop up their head back in. As the Bereans were examining and receiving the word, the Jews of Thessalonica showed up. These dudes wouldn't just go away. You know, like them the flies and everything out there barbecuing you. You got the fly spotted that just won't go away and everything all over the meat. This is the picture here. As they was proclaiming God's word, look who shows up. These same Jews show up. And they show up again to give the Christian church a hard time. They came to agitating and stirring up the crowd. So Paul and the brothers didn't want to be. Distracted to, for the good work that was happening in Berea. So what happened? Paul left. Paul said it was after him. Paul got out of there. And Paul went over to Athens. Athens is going to be a major place here in the next few weeks. But Timothy and Silas stayed there working with, through the word with the Bereans, the brothers in Berea. When Paul made it to Athens, he told the people that escorted him to tell Timothy and Silas to come quick. To Athens. we will learn this week again about what's gonna happen, why is gonna say why is he gonna say come quick? It's gonna be a lot of idols in Athens. And Athens is gonna go down, y'all. That's when you guys gonna hear about the Africa I can't see it. Eregos. And that's when they're gonna be to say, the unknown God, all these unknown all these gods here, this unknown God right here, he's gonna point it to Christ. We're gonna learn about that head in here in a couple weeks. So it's gonna be so much idolatry in Athens. And Paul is going to say, hey, put a word back in. Hey, tell Timothy and Silas to get here quickly. They, the gospel got to come here to Athens. So family, as we end, look at the humility of Paul to go ahead to leave this area. He, he, he explained the gospel. He was encouraged by the church. He knew if he would have stayed there, that persecution and all these things would have continue to happen. But look what he did in humility. He's willing to leave Berea for the sake of the persecution of the church can suffice for so the church to stay in God's word. Family, are we just humble? Are we willing to die to sell for the sake of the gospel? Are we willing to die to sell for the sake of the gospel? It might be bad and people might make mocking people for going to the mall, sharing the gospel, going to apartments, trying to serve people. people are like, what are y'all doing? That the world don't understand, It's confusion to the world. Family, don't let that discourage you. Continue going further with it because it will be souls that's gonna respond. They're gonna ask questions and they're gonna hear the gospel and many will be saved. So be faithful, be encouraged, and continually going forward and sharing the gospel. But knowing that it always be persecution. Application here. Not sure if Jason was a believer, but God used unbelievers at time to help the Christian church grow. So don't get angry at everybody. Some people that's not going to believe the gospel in that moment, but they might be kind to you in another area. I've heard so many times they have unbelievers that have helped and donated money to a church. They have assisted with this and with a church. Because they know the Christian church got more value. Even though they might not be believers, they want to assist the church. So family, maybe be kind to those. Even though they might not be believers, still be kind to them. That God bring our way. Don't count everybody out that's around you, but give some a time. And continue loving on them as Christ has loved us. Number two, I mentioned ten things. I'm, a question, I'm going to question I ask you guys again. Are you like the Bereans? How is your, your study time in the Word? Especially married couples. Are y'all spending enough time together in the Word properly? Husbands, are y'all leading your spouses in God's Word? not overbearing towards them, but lead them in a way that they're looking forward to it. They ask you, you say, hey, can we read the word tonight? Are you encouraging your spouse and what they're saying in the Bible study, what they're saying is good? And spouses, as your husband wants to study the Bible, and lead the Bible, are you ready to be led in God's word with them? And not just only spouses and America, but also those that are singles. Are you eagerly studying God's word? Or are you studying God's word just to win an argument? A lot of times I hear so many times people want to study new topics of the Bible just to have an argument about it, or just to have a good discussion about it, which is not wrong with having a good discussion. But you should be studying God's word in a sense of to see the glory of God, to know our God and know our Creator. <laughs> so family, use the church resources. If you're in college, attend to the BCM. The resources there in the parachurch church. Take advantage of in God's word. There's nothing better for a Christian to do than be into God's word. Again, continue be throughout the week and studying in the mornings and evening in God's word. Right now, remember Bible first with someone in hear Down. Find someone you can memorize scriptures with. And again, don't just take my word on Sundays. But look what I say from this word of God. And I'm not saying go around and try to find something that say, hey, I didn't see this every two minutes. But still, you can find something in God's word. You can find in the sermon that someone might have missed in the sermon. And you might have seen that. Because you don't want to be toxic and be discouraging to someone. But still... Challenge them in God's word. And lastly, let us be prayerful about God's word. I would say always, as those are seeking God's word, I would say always go to God's word in humility and prayer. A good prayer life will always point you back to God's word a family we need a good prayer life so we can be saturated in God's word and as I end here today many of those that might not understood everything I was saying here is that um, for those that are believers they see that yes we need God's word but for those that are unbelievers here um, I would say that um, God is the creator he's righteous he's holy he's good he has all authority that he created all things for his glory and his glory alone. But mankind sinned against him. We have broke the Ten Commandments. Um, am I following the same method? Am I on, I'm on the track? All right. We have broken the Ten Commandments, Nellie, right? We've broken the Ten Commandments. We, and we have seen all of us having uh, kept all the commandments of God. And the commandments of God is the essence of who God is. God is a God, is a God that. It, it, the, the, within the Trinity, the Father loved the Son, the Son loved the Spirit. This is nothing but love without the Trinity. They honor one another without the Trinity. And also God loves his people. And the Ten Commandments is the essence of that. Loving God, loving people and family. This Bible tells us that for the ways of sin is dealt, and that for all have sinned, it said, No one is righteous, no not one. So everybody has went astray. So everybody in this room has sinned against God and that one sin is enough to cast us to hell forever. One sin is enough to cast us to hell. But God in his goodness sent his only son. And by sending his only son, Christ, he took the place. He took our place. He took the punishment we deserve. All the sin that we ever committed in life that are believers is nailed to Jesus. And we bear them no more. And he gives us his righteousness. And God sees us as well done and good and faithful servant, even though we ain't did nothing good. He sees us good because Christ makes us good. So, for those in here that's not believing in Christ and you trust in your own righteousness, family, people are dying every single day. I would say repent and turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus today. Today is the day of salvation. And no matter what age you are, turn to Jesus. By turning to Jesus, he gives you abundance of life. You will never be without. He gives you eternal life. And I would say being in church, be a member of a church and let a church encourage and walk you through that. And I'm not talking about a church behind just brick building, brick walls In the life of a church people that people are walking with you every single day. So I'll say, for those who here that's not believers, turn to Jesus today. My turn to Jesus today is the day of salvation. Let me pray for us as uh, KJ and Jerry help with communion.